everyone, and welcome to our fourth episode of the Jesus Conversation Podcast. I am Brittany, and I am so glad you're tuning into this episode. If this is your first time you're joining us or joining us for another episode, we welcome you and pray these stories you're about to hear will grow you closer to Jesus and bring you encouragement. On today's episode, we will be discussing trust in this place, where I will be sharing with you guys another personal story from my life on how giving God trust in the least anticipated of circumstances can forever change your outlook on Him and on your own actions for the future. I am so excited to spend more one-on-one time with you guys today. As much as I love having guests on, there is something so intimate and special about just coming in here and getting to speak to you like you're in the room with me. So I hope you know how much I appreciate you hearing today, and just I pray these stories of mine will encourage you. So I need to give you some backstory. (laughs) Isn't that always like the beginning of a lengthy explanation? But seriously, I do. So if you caught any part of my story on episode one, you learned that through a string of bad choices that God kept just connecting and recorrecting my path. I ended up going to school at a Christian university in Abilene and in this city is where I eventually met my husband. Well, what I didn't get a chance to tell you was that right after I met my going to be husband, did I have this crazy revelation at school one day. Now, granted, I told you guys, I didn't know what I was going to do for school, but I went out on a whim. Well, at least I thought it was a whim at the time, and I thought maybe I would try nursing. So let me just catch you up. I'm about three months into my school when God did something crazy. So at our university, we were required to go to what's called chapel every day. We had a little card. We were required to um, scan in for so many hours at chapel. And I remember one time in particular, I went in and they did this big presentation on Africa. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in this position where you're in a you're in a place and you just feel so heavily like the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And I remember sitting in that seat by myself. I hadn't really made a whole lot of friends just yet. And I felt so strongly to just go later that week to that information meeting. And I thought, there's no harm, no foul. Let's just try it out and see what happens. And again, I, at this point in time, was super confused, you know, whether nursing was for me or not. And I thought, you know what? Let's just see if this fits into my life, where this is going to go. So I go into that information meeting that day, and they're going through on a projector, and they're naming off all these cities. And I remember the very last city that they had listed, because they had it in alphabetical order, was Zambia. And I remember my eye just being so drawn to it. And I, I kind of zoned out, if I'm honest with you, listening to the, to the presentation until they got to Zambia. And literally the first words out of their mouth were, Now, Zambia, Africa is our only medical mission that we offer through ACU. And I was like, oh, medical. Okay, maybe this is not a coincidence. So, you know, we went to the information meeting. They said, you know, we're going to have to raise X amount of money. But what they had told us was it's going to be a three-month stint in Zambia where we would be helping in the medical field. So we would go out two months early, prepare for all of the medical professionals, the dentists, um, the surgeons, to come for a two-week stint, and then they would go back home, and we would continue to stay for the last month, uh, for three months total, um, basically prepping and then um, de-organizing everything that we did use on the actual two-week stint. So um, my next goal then was, okay, I feel like this is where God wants me to go, right? Well, here's the problem. Uh, One, they required a ton of vaccinations in order to go over to Zambia, including yellow fever. Um, That, if you do not have insurance, is $175 by itself. Um, And then including the trip itself, I think we had to raise something close to like $4,500 in order to go. 
But I truly felt in my heart that this is where the Lord was leading me. And I'll never forget, you know, I was dating my husband, my now husband, and telling him I wanted to go to Africa. And he was like, oh, okay. Because granted, we had met in January, and this is probably March. And he's like, so you're going to go to Africa for three months. And we just started dating. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, I do. I really do. And so for the next three months, I did everything I possibly could think of to raise money. You know, I mean, I was working two jobs. I was going to school. I used to make these little hair clips in order to sell them. At one point in time, I even went to Chick-fil-A and did like a drive-through donation thing. And I remember, and God so sweetly reminded me of this about two days ago, of this post on Facebook that I posted. And it said, y'all, I'm giving up. I'm giving up raising money for this. I have not been able to raise enough money. And I just, you know, I, I plan to take what money I do have and donate it to the fund so that it might be able to help somebody else. And I remember it was the last day that we had to bring all of the funds. And I remember how discouraged I was. And I came in. There was three of us on our team that were medical. It was another nurse, myself, and then it was a pre-med doctor. And then everybody else in there wasn't medical, but they just came to volunteer in different ways. And I came in and he was going around. He's like, how much did you raise? How much did you raise? How much did you raise? Um, well, the pre-med doctor, he was able to raise um, all of his funds. Um, but me and the other nurse were a couple hundred dollars short. And he said, I wanted to let you know as of this morning at like seven o'clock in the morning, we had a generous donator come in and they are going to make up for whatever you guys are short for this trip. And I remember going, okay, God, like there is no way that this is just not for you. Like this has to, this has to lead to something. This has to be you. And so sure enough, you know, we fly to Zambia and we're there for three months and a little bit about the Zambia Medical Mission. So they are actually based out of Abilene. Um, the lady who runs it, it was her and her husband. Uh, sadly, he has passed on since then, but she continues to travel the world. And, um, you know, she her name is Ellie Hamby, if you want to look her up on Facebook. Uh, she recently, her and another lady, just did a 90-day stint all over across the world. They're, they called it, it was like 90 days around the world, um, and they're like 85 years old, I think now. And so it was kind of a really cool thing to see. But um, they started this medical mission years ago. Um, we actually got to go and live on their campus there. Um, and what I love about her mission is that she provides jobs for so many Zambians there. And one thing I can tell you guys is when you go to Africa, it's so different. Um, one thing the Lord really humbled me quickly with when I was there was just how much heart the Zambians have for God. Like it's all or nothing with them. Like it's not, okay, I'll give God today and you know, I'll, I'll keep myself for tomorrow. No, they give God everything they have all day, every day. And when they praise y'all, like, I don't know how anybody could stand in a room with a bunch of Zambians and not just cry because they give their whole heart every day. And you know, you come from a society here where we're like, we turn on a faucet and there's there's free flowing water. Over there, they carry buckets on their heads for miles to go to a spigot to get this water, take it back to boil in order to do everything they need to do. And they do that every day, multiple times a day sometimes if they have to do clothes or if they're feeding their families or whatever they need it for. And um, it was such a humbling experience to go there and work in the hospital there, go in there and work with the orphanage there and to see how... Their life, yet so simple, was such a glorifying thing to God. Now, kind of a weird thing that happened while I was there. You know, we we went early. You know, I said we went there about two months before the medical team got there. Well, then when the team got there for those two weeks, 
we went um, literally nonstop for two weeks over across multiple miles. We, in one day, I think we drove 10 hours in the lorry, which is like a big medical vehicle with no top on the back. We literally piled on top of everybody's sleeping bags and uh, over the potholes for 10 hours. Um, but I remember when we arrived to the very first little area we were going to, we were greeted by all these Zambians. I mean, they literally surrounded the lorry and were singing praises because they were so excited for us to come. And I remember after that two-week stint, you know, we saw hundreds of thousands of Zambians who would walk themselves these hundreds of miles just to be seen by the doctors, the dentists, to get medications, um, to bring their children to be looked at. We saw a lot of fire injuries uh, where women had been pushed into the fire and had burns. Um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing what people will do in order to get medical care. And... When I came back from that two-week stint, I remember sitting in my room, and I was just kind of like reliving everything I saw God do, and I was just so thankful, and I remember so vividly him telling me that night, he said, now that looks like a nurse, and I knew right then and there, that's what he had planned for me, and that all this time where I had been thinking, maybe it was nursing, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, no, God called me to be a nurse in Zambia. And the reason I tell you that is because, you know, going into situations like this where you're literally having to trust God every single step, it's hard. You know, it's one thing where, you know, we we wake up and say, you know, I've always felt like I was supposed to be, you know, a construction worker. And you work and work and work and work and work to get that, you know, degree. And then you start doing it. But for someone like myself, I'm kind of a jack of all trades kind of a person. Like I like a lot of different things. And so for me, it's been really hard to know, okay, Lord, what is your plan for my life? And even now, as I sit here and I am no longer in nursing, I think to myself, you know what, Lord, I'm so thankful for that season because I trusted you to get there and you helped me, you know, be a foothold and help me create all these relationships for the kingdom while I was in that season. And even now, I'm having to trust you in what we're doing with this podcast, what we're doing with our children, what we're doing with the possibility of moving with my husband and his job. Like every single bit of that has been learning to trust God more and more. Now, I want to tell you a fun story because um, this part is if you're a romantic like me, you'll kind of enjoy this part. So, you know, I told you, you know, I, I had told my then husband about Africa and he was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, while we were gone um, to Africa, it was so weird. They had like this common area, which had a fireplace in it at the place we stayed at. And I found this book and it was talking, it was from a Christian perspective. It was written by a dad and his son, and it was talking about getting engaged. It was called Before You Get Engaged by David Dudgel, D-U-D-G-E-L, and son. And I remember emailing Garrison and I said, hey, like, get this book and let's read it together. And because um, I had been really feeling like, you know, he might be the one, although we hadn't known each other that long. And so he did. We both read it. And um, I said, you know, let's talk about this when I get back. And this is kind of the cool part. So when I was younger, I loved fireflies. Like fireflies were the thing. Um, 
I shamelessly tell you, I used to capture them and put them in jars and shake the jars. And then it would be like, oh, yay, free glow stick, you know. And, um, you know, if you I hate to say this, if you squish a firefly and you get the stuff on your hands, you glow. So, um, you know, five, six years old, that was the thing to do when I was growing up. And I had not seen fireflies in 20 years or so. And I remember praying literally the week before I was heading back to the States. And I said, Lord, I've trusted you this far. I've gotten my answer. And now I'm asking for something else. Is Garrison the one for me? And I want to ask if he is, can you show me a firefly? Because I haven't seen one in so long. And so I come back to the States and... Before I went back to Abilene, I spent a few days with my stepfather up at his lake house. And I remember the first night I was there, um, you know, I texted Garrison and said, I'll be in Abilene in a couple days. I want to see him and um, I'm going to spend some time with my family. And that night I'm out on the balcony of this lake house and something caught my eye. And I looked over and I thought, no. So then I hurry downstairs and I go out the back door and I'm, I'm walking around the grassy knoll and over in between a bunch of trees, I see it again. And as I get a little closer, I realize it's fireflies. <laughs> and I started crying there and I was like, okay, God, like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And so, um, you know, that, that was my confirmation to know that my now husband would be my husband one day. And um, as of yesterday, we celebrated nine years of marriage. So I'm excited to, to share that with you. But it's amazing how God can bring you through different seasons of life and your trust level changes. Now, when I think about trusting God, although I'm nervous, it's more exciting to me to give him that that baton, so to speak. I just pass it off to him and he runs with it. And although I can be impatient when I'm waiting for him to answer me, it is the most freeing feeling I can say that I get to have nowadays. Now, I can tell you that, you know, looking back at these two stories, I am not the only one who's been through these trusting seasons. You know, I, I want to bring us to the Bible for a moment. And I want to bring us to a man named Abraham. Now, in Genesis 12, we learn about a man, a man named Abram. So this is prior to him being called Abraham. And the Lord comes to Abram one day and says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your family, and you're going to go to a land that I will show you. Now, let me just lay this out real quick. You know, back then, God just showed up. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, he, he used prophets in certain stories, but at certain times, God would just show up himself and talk to you. Now, what you might not know about Abram is that Abram was a wealthy man. He had lots of relatives. He had lots of cattle, lots of livestock. And God literally just, boom, out of, the, out of the blue comes to him and says, listen, I'm going to take you to a place, but I'm going to show it to you when you get there. Now, I don't know about you, but like, does that give you anxiety? Um, you know, at, at one point in time, I would say that would have scared the daylights out of me going, are you, are you sure, God, this is really what you want me to do? But now I have to admit, like, I love it. Like, it excites me when I hear God give me direction because that means it's time to move forward. And in my mind, that means I must be on track if he's telling me to go somewhere. You know what I always wondered, though? Like, how did Abram know which direction to go? I feel like I'd be like, okay, God, I'll go, but you need to show me which direction. And we know in the Bible that God rarely ever gives certain specific directions. 
Now he has done this. If we look back at how the building of the temple was in the in, in Solomon's day and how specific what he was in there, yes, he was. But in this case, God literally just said go. And I have to tell you, it's one thing to say yes, God, and put on your shoes in anticipation to leave. But until you open that door and start walking, you're being disobedient. Now, please hear me. My pastor's wife, Carrie, always used to say, delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's something I've had to really catch myself doing in my adult years, saying, use me, Lord, and and I'm here and I'm willing. And then he prompts me to do something and I catch myself hesitating. I guess my big question to you is, are you trusting God? with the last thing that he told you to do? Or have you not even considered what he wants to do in your life? Have you even asked him? And you know what I love about Abram in this chapter is the writer of Genesis gives us such insight into how Abram responded. It says here in Genesis 12, 4, Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew. But there was like no hesitation from Abram. And you know what I think it literally boiled down to? Trust. Trust in the God who created you to want you to have a fulfilling life. And not just an ordinary one, but an extraordinary one. John 10.10 tells us, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Lord wants you to have a life. But a life without trust is not a relationship. Let me ask you. If you have kids or maybe something that you really value, whether it's a pet or an heirloom, like, would you just let any old person watch that item or take care of it? I I wouldn't. I mean, how would you trust that person to treat it the way you would or care for it the way you would? I would go as far as to say that the particular people that come to your mind right now are very few. And I need to tell you something, friend, that the Lord wants to be that person for you. The person you can rely on, the person you can tell your deepest and, you know, saddest, disappointing secrets, frustrations. If you don't think he can handle it, let me tell you, he can. He knows every inward part of you and your personality. He made you and he can be trusted. Now, I'm going to admit something to you. It's honestly one of the hardest prayers I ever prayed. And it was this, God I trust you with my kids. I know that sounds funny since, you know, they were given to us as a gift and we're supposed to, you know, raise them upright. But I had this awful fear that God would just take my kids away suddenly. And who knows, it could still happen. But praying that prayer acknowledged to me that God was just, he was holy, and he was above all else. And, you know, I knew that he could love them more than I ever could. And that once ungodly fear, and that's exactly what it is, that's fear that I had not given to God, it went away. And that day, my trust grew in him. And you know, I'm going to switch gears for a second. I I was going to hold off on telling this next story, but I, I truly believe this is something the Lord has wanted me to do today. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know, one of the trust, most trusting times in my life actually came from tithing. Now, hear me out. I don't want you to just run off. <laughs> I guarantee it's not what you think. So let me give you some backstory. 
So as you guys know, I did come home. I did become a nurse. Um, and when I was an LVN, we had our son. Now, the problem we had with our son was he was breech. And he loved to lay up under my liver when I was pregnant. So when he was born, he suffered from a malformality of his skull. And we had to put him in a helmet. So if you guys have any helmet babies, my little boy um, was a helmet baby. And he got that helmet when he was about three months old. And about that same time that we put him in that helmet, I found out I was accepted into our RN nursing program here in Texas. And on top of that, I found out I was pregnant again with our daughter. So let me just lay it out for you all. I'm three months into breastfeeding. Three months. Our son is in a helmet. I just got into RN school and I'm pregnant. Talk about a whirlwind. Um, oh, and get this. So we go to church that Sunday. Like literally all of this happened within like a week of each other. And our pastor, Pastor Brian, is like, let's talk about tithing today. Okay, God, great timing. Appreciate that. So anyway, um, things were stressful, to say the least. My husband was gone all the time, um, you know, with his, with being a state trooper. He's going to the border all the time. And, you know, we were already kind of like penny pitching as it was because I couldn't really work having, a, you know, a three-month-old and now pregnant. Um, I was, when I was working, it was, you know, limited hours. So needless to say, our funds were very tight. But I remember coming to my husband and I said, you know, I really feel like God is asking us to tithe. And, you know, my husband wasn't fully on board with that at first. I'll just be honest with you. Um, but we remembered something that Pastor Brian told us. And he said, this is the only time in the Bible that God says, test me. The only time. Any other time he says, don't do it. But this is the only time that, the, that God literally says, test me in this. And so a part of me was kind of cocky. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I was, you know, I had trusted God up until this point, but I was kind of nervous to trust him with my finances because, you know, we work hard for them. We budget for them. And, you know, it's, it's hard when you're giving that to someone you can't physically see. It's not like an accountant, you know, who you can give you spreadsheets and show you what you're doing. This is somebody who you just have to know in your heart is there and it has their best intentions for you. And I remember the first week we tithed, um, it was super scary. I remember the next week we literally had to budget how much we spent on gas, how much we spent on food. And then it happened. We got a bill in for my son's helmet and it was an unexpected bill. We were paying monthly for it, but they had to do some extra scans one week and got an extra bill in. And I remember it was like eight o'clock at night one night. I'm sitting in front of the computer trying to cram for a test. And I had Grayson on the floor playing and um, I was, you know, pregnant. And I was thinking, Lord, how are we going to pay this? It was like, I don't remember. It was probably $137, but I couldn't even afford it. I couldn't even afford to pay it. And I literally said, Lord, you're going to have to come through for me. And I'm really going to have to see you work in this because right now I'm scared and my husband is stressed out and we don't know what to do. And literally one week to that day, I got a check in the mail. The bill was for $138.20. The check was for $138.30, a 10 cent difference. And you tell me God isn't in our finances. 
I think it's hilarious that God's like, I'm going to give you an extra 10 cents. Just so you know, your 10, your 10% matters. Your 10% matters. And I can honestly tell you now, nine years later, we are debt free, except for our house. The Lord has taken our tithes and offerings and he has blessed them abundantly. And although it was scary to trust him in that moment, I would do it all over again just for him to prove over and over and over again to me that he cares, that he loves me, and that my trust in him is in the best hands ever. You know, there was a scripture I remember, and it was in Abraham, funny enough, and I held on to it during those times, especially when it was at the beginning and it was hard to trust with finances. And it's from Romans. It was Romans 4, 20 through 22. And it said, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. So let me ask you, friend. Hearing my stories today about trusting God in circumstances that aren't ideal. Trusting God with things that I didn't really want to relinquish control on. You know, although these feelings make me human, I hope you know that the Lord wants you to take that leap and trust him with the big or the small things on your heart today. If I can encourage you, these stories are just the beginning of so many that I am going to share with you of God's goodness, of God's love and mercy, of God's glory and his faithfulness and trust. I hope you know that through him I have gained all these things. And I want to leave you with this verse. And I pray that you will start to memorize this one. It's a wonderful reminder of God's hope for you and learning to trust him too. Romans 15, 13 states, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to urge you, friend, take that step today. Trust him. Give him the thing that hurts you the most. And I pray today that you choose to hand it over with the confident hope that one day, like me, you can look back and say, it was worth it. Let me pray us out. Father, thank you for the day and everything that you've blessed us with. Thank you for those who are listening to this and who are really wanting to know, Lord, can they trust you? Father, I pray that today that their heart will reach out to you, that you will speak to them in hopes that they will respond and say, yes, Lord. Take this from me today. I trust it in your hands more than mine. I pray, Father, that whatever it is they're going through, that you will give them hope, that you will give them strength. And I pray, Lord, going through this week, that they will start to slowly, step by step, give you more and more, trusting in you and learning more about how good and gracious and loving you are. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.